Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church. Thanking you so much for joining us today on the broadcast. And uh, this message today is a continuation from the uh, last few days as we're going through a very important subject, and it's dealing with how to have a personal relationship with God. And, you know, whenever NASA sends up a spaceship up into the atmosphere, you know, it has one mission, right? And that is to explore the created universe. They can go to the very ends of the earth and our surrounding galaxies, but they cannot hope to exhaust the God of the Bible. You see, the God of the Bible cannot be contained by space. David said that our God is the Lord, our God, and he's abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Now, even if you have a good personal relationship with God, there's some things you're not going to ever know about him because his omniscience is beyond our capacity. I guess maybe the way to understand this is is thinking about your dog. You know, uh, we have a beautiful English uh, golden retriever who is uh, just a wonderful dog. My wife, she adores uh, this dog. She just loves this dog. And uh, Gilbert's a pretty good dog. Uh, He sheds a lot, of course. And uh, I'm not a big fan of Gilbert. Now, uh, I love him because uh, my wife loves him. Uh, But, you know, I've discovered something about Gilbert. Gilbert has a limited comprehension. Uh, He has a limited understanding of knowledge, okay? Now, I can teach Gilbert a few things, and he's a one-trick dog, right? The only trick he knows is how to sit. That's all he knows. And we've never had him trained, and uh, he's just a good old family dog. We love him, and we thank the Lord for him. But the only trick he knows is how to sit. I say, now, Gilbert, you sit, and I give him a milk bone, okay? Now, if I worked with him, I could probably get him to pick up a couple more tricks, right? But he will never get to the point where he is on my level. And that's not to insult him. Uh, That's not to belittle him. That's just a fact of life, okay? Uh, We're on different levels, and there's always going to be this gap between where he is and where I am. And no matter how hard we try to work, uh, we cannot, we might be able to close that gap in a little bit, but we can never get him to the point of level of where I am. And the same is true in our relationship with God. Uh, There's always going to be this gap between where he is and where we are. Now, we can close that gap a little bit because he reveals himself to us. He gives us his word so that we can experience him. Uh, but there's certain things that we cannot get from him. Uh, these are called natures of the, the omnipresent aspects or characteristics or attributes of God. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipowerful, omnipotent, okay? Uh, we will never have those characteristics, but we can tap into some of his power. We can tap into some of his omniscience. We can experience the opportunity to be a blessing to people, even though we can't be with them 24-7, even though we cannot be omnipresent. And that's why I love things like radio broadcasts and podcasts, because I can touch the lives of people, even though I'm not there personally, and I'm not there with my body, right? That's the neat thing about being able to bless people's lives through the airways and through the internet and through podcasts, is that our message can continue to carry on even though we're not personally there. So as we go through this belief in God, uh, I said there's three things that affect that. Our attitude, listen, if you had the attitude, I don't want to know God, you don't have to know him. If you had the attitude, God doesn't exist, okay, you, you can have that attitude. All that you want, you can have that attitude. And so I would ask you, well, well, how's that working for you, right? Are you really a happy person with that attitude? Letter B is our behavior. And I've discovered that the way we behave dictates our beliefs. And then let us see is our circumstances. So many times I find that people have good circumstances, say, wow, God is so good. 
And all of a sudden, their circumstances begin to change, and they say, man, where is God? Maybe he doesn't even exist. You know, I've talked to a lot of people who claim to be atheists. And uh, and I say claim to be atheists because um, I, I don't think that there's a whole lot of people that are, that are genuinely bona fide atheists. Uh, what tends to happen is people go about life and something bad happens to them. I was talking to a guy one time, he claimed to be an atheist, and, he, and I said, well, uh, can you tell me about this God that you do not believe in? And then he began to tell the story about his mom. He says, man, my mom loved the Lord. She went to church every Sunday. She never missed going to church. But then she got sick. And she got sick, and, and uh, people prayed for her, and, and people from the church came over, and, and they prayed for her. And uh, everybody prayed, believing that she was going to get better, but she didn't. She got worse, and she ended up dying. And, she, and this, this gentleman says, now, now listen, I can't believe in a God that would allow that to happen. And I said to this individual, I said, you know what? I don't believe in that God either. You know, death is a consequence of sin. One day, all of us are going to die. It's too bad that we have to die through cancer, and sometimes we die an untimely death. But God is a God that is still a God of good gifts. The enemy comes to kill and to destroy, but our God has come to give us life and to give us life everlasting. God, when he gave his one and only son to die on a cross for our sins, didn't do it so that we would physically live forever. He did it so that we could spiritually live forever. You know, that soul, the real part of you, is going to live on forever. The question is, will you receive this free gift of salvation so that you can go to heaven? You know, just Saturday, I did a funeral for a man I didn't know. And at the end of the service, I was talking to some of his family members. And, and they said, well, I don't understand why... Why my brother died, he was only 39 years old. He was a young man, and, and he got sick, and he had a, a disease, and, and ended up uh, having some heart problems, and ended up having a heart attack, and, and, and the doctors missed it, and, and nobody saw it coming, and, and the family was just devastated because they didn't expect it to happen. You know, death comes sometimes suddenly. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about death. As a matter of fact, as I ministered to this family, I said, you know, there's three things that we come into life wanting to know. No, number one is, how in the world did I get here? You know, that's a great question. It's really only two options. Either we got here by accident or we got here by intent. I believe that God designed us and created us, and he's the one that brought us into this world. God is the creator and the sustainer of all things. So we were created by God. As a matter of fact, God created us much different than he created all of the rest of creation. You know, after the six days when God created the heavens and the earth and all that is therein, he said that this is good. But when God created Adam, he said this is very good. You see, God created Adam different in that Adam has something that the rest of creation doesn't have. The animals don't have it. The rest of God's creation doesn't have it. And it's called a soul. The soul is a real part of you. It says that when God created Adam, God breathed into Adam, into his nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living being. That is a living soul. God breathed himself into Adam, created Adam in the image of God, and God gave Adam a soul that was going to live on forever. Well, you know, Adam and Eve made the wrong choice, and because of that, their soul one day was going to be separated from God. Their body was one day going to die. God didn't do anything about that physical death. Adam died after about 900 years of walking on the face of the earth. But Adam's soul is in heaven. 
Not because Adam was such a great person, not because he could justify doing wrong, or not because he could pay for what he did wrong. It was because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on his behalf. He said, now, wait a minute. Jesus came thousands of years after Adam. How could Jesus pay for the sins of Adam? Oh, the Old Testament saints are saved just like the New Testament saints. You know, we accept Christ as our Savior today in the year 2022. We look back to the work of Christ on the cross. How he was on that cross, he died, he was buried, he rose again. We look back and we believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And that's how we're born again. Old Testament saints are born again the same way. Except they don't look back to the resurrection of Christ. They look in the future of the coming of Christ. And so how did Adam put his faith in Christ? Adam was given a ram that was to be slaughtered, a picture of Christ being slaughtered for the sins of the world. Listen, Adam tried to cover up his sin with those fig leaves, and that didn't work out for him. Why did it not work out for them? Because that was a work of Adam's hands. But God provides a ram, a picture of the death, the burial, and the sacrifice of Christ in his resurrection. I want you to know something. Your circumstances may be bad. It may feel like God is not concerned with what's happening in your life, but he is very much concerned. I've discovered that difficult times in my life are teaching moments. You see, God wants to have this personal relationship with us. David says, my God is my provider. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God provides for us, oftentimes by our own hands, by giving us the ability to provide for ourselves through our labor. Sometimes he does it by the hands of others. Sometimes he does it through the miraculous, but God does provide. We learn, secondly, that God is our protector, and God protects us, and God allows us to go through difficult times, and and he's never sleeping. He never slumbers. Even when it doesn't feel like he's with us, he's with us. Even when we're disappointed with him, I want you to know he is with us. And then lastly, God is my perpetual help. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. Now, what I'm about to share with you may be some deeper truth than you're quite ready to absorb, right? Uh, so if you're not interested in the deeper truths, right, this would be a good time to change the channel, right, uh, to tune into another station. Because what I'm about to share with you is for those who have experienced the manifestation of God in their lives, they think differently, they act differently, they're in this thing for the long haul. They realize that Christ has never abandoned them, and they cannot abandon Christ because he's going to hang on to them. You know, when I think about John 10, 28, Jesus says, that, that these people that God has given to him, he says, they're in my Father's hands. Talk about those who have been truly born again, those who have experienced the manifestation of God in their lives personally. They don't just know about him. They know him and he knows them. He says, I am in my Father's hands and no man can pluck them out. In other words, we have been a recipient of the glory of God and the gift of God of everlasting life. The Holy Spirit is taking up residence within us. You know, I think about this. 
How do we experience the manifestation of Christ in our lives? And how do we know that this has happened to us? Well, you got to be born again. That's the step, right? That's the first step. You got to acknowledge that you're a sinner, that your sin has separated you from God, and that you have really nothing to offer to Him. Uh, This is called the depravity of man. You know, when you think about it, uh, sometimes you think, well, some good people, some bad people out there, right? Uh, Well, there's only really saved people and lost people because none of us are really good people because we are sinful people, but God makes us good and he manifests himself to us. And when you receive that free gift of salvation, that is when you're a new creation in Christ. The old is done away with. Behold, all things have become new. You see, the omnipresence of God is everywhere. You can choose to deny that, but you're breathing the oxygen that God has given you. It's a gift that God gives to you. But only certain people respond to his manifestation. And I was trying to think of a way to really explain this, right? And I heard somebody explain it this way. Uh, Let's say that we have in this room a multi-million dollar person. He's worth multi-millions of dollars. And he's in a congregation, sitting within the congregation, and he looks like everybody else, and and nobody knows that he's a multi-millionaire. He is right there within our presence. He's right there in the middle of us. But we don't know that he's worth that kind of money. How would he manifest or prove that he's worth that kind of money? He would prove it by saying, I tell you what, Jim over there, I'm going to give you $100,000. And and Sue over there, I'm going to give you $100,000. And uh, and Bob in the back, I'm going to give you $100,000. And he would actually give us this money and we would actually receive it. That would be the manifestation of this man and the wealth that he has. He is able to prove that he's a multimillionaire. Now, if I were to do that, uh, my checks would be bouncing, right? Uh, Bouncing off the floor and going right on hitting that ceiling, right? Uh, Because I don't have those kind of resources, right? But God does. God, when he manifests himself to us, we are never again quite the same. And I want you to know the psalmist reminds us that he is our perpetual help in our time of need. So A.W. Tozer has written a book, and A.W. Tozer has gone on with the Lord many years ago. But he wrote a book called The Real Spiritual Life. And he talks about true spirituality manifesting itself in certain desires, dominant desires. He has seven of them, okay? And I'm going to give you all seven of them real quick here. Number one, the person that is truly spirit-filled has a desire to be holy rather than happy. I had a couple that came to me not too long ago and One of them says, well, doesn't God want me to be happy? And I'm not happy in this marriage. And so I think God wants me out of this marriage because he wants me to be happy. Well, God's first desire is not our happiness. God's first desire is our holiness. And I want you to know you can be happy without being holy, but if you're truly holy, you'll always be happy. Happiness does not come from my happenstance. Happiness comes from my right relationship with God. So number one, the spirit-filled person is one that has that desire to be holy rather than to be happy. Number two, a man may be considered spiritual when he wants to see the honor of God advance through his life, even if it means that he himself must suffer temporarily dishonor or loss. Now, this is very important, right? I was talking to a guy not too long ago, and he was trying to make a decision. 
And he kept bringing that decision down to the bottom line. He says, well, I got to look at this thing financially and I got to do what is my best interest financially. And I kept trying to tell him, listen, it's bigger than the bottom line. I says, has it ever occurred to you that maybe God wants you to do something that doesn't make sense financially, and you may even have a temporary loss, but you're in the middle of his will? I could not convince this person that God might lead us that way. What do you think about giving to your church, right? It doesn't make financial sense. I'm going to give 10% back to the Lord. It doesn't make financial sense, but it makes perfect sense if you're a person who is spirit-filled. Number three. The spiritual man wants to carry his cross. Now, we could say this is take responsibility. You know, the Bible is very clear that as followers of Christ, we're to take up our cross and follow him. In other words, we bear the responsibilities of life. We don't use those as an excuse not to follow him. We bear our responsibilities as we are following him. You know, life has so many responsibilities for us to take care of. As a matter of fact, Paul said to young Timothy, make sure that you provide for your relatives, especially your closest of relatives, because if a man doesn't provide for his relatives, he's worse than an infidel, worse than an unbeliever. So becoming a follower of Christ doesn't mean I eliminate all responsibilities. I don't take care of my family. I don't take care of my bills. No, no, we are to carry our cross and follow him. Number four, a spiritual believer is a Christian who sees everything, everything from God's viewpoint. It's not like God is a partner in our decision. We see everything through God's viewpoint. That is through God's word and through what God expects us to do. We're looking at everything through the view of God. We're considering him in all things. Number five, a spiritual man is the man who is willing to die right rather than to live wrong. In other words, a spirit-filled man will have certain convictions, certain non-negotiables. You say, what's the difference between a, a conviction and a preference? A preference is something that I will do because I prefer to do it, but I'm not going to die about it. You, you know, I, I prefer certain styles of worship, for example, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to die over a style of worship. A, a conviction, on the other hand, is something that I'm willing to die for. I am convicted that the gospel is the only hope of all of humanity, that if you die without Christ, you're going to be separated from him forever. I'm convicted that I'm to proclaim the gospel and I'm to share the good news wherever I go. Even if it becomes against the law to share the gospel, I'm going to share the gospel. Because as Peter says in the book of Acts chapter 20, we ought to obey God rather than man. I am willing to die to share the gospel. You know, I'm not the only one that shares that deep conviction for the gospel. All over the world, there are missionaries who are on the front line and pastors and and believers across the world who are on the front lines and saying, I will not denounce my faith in Christ. That is something that we're willing to die for. So a spiritual man sees everything from God's viewpoint and is willing to rather be to die for right than to live wrong. Number six, a spiritual man is one who desires to see others advance at his expense. In other words, the spirit-filled man is, is not putting himself above anybody else. He's putting Jesus first, others second, and himself last. 
and he has this desire to see others advance even as at his own expense. Now, this is really being like Christ. Christ died for us. He was forsaken by his Father in heaven so that we would never be forsaken by his Father in heaven. He suffered abuse that he didn't deserve so that we would not be abused, although we deserve it. He took our abuse. He was willing to advance us at his own expense. That is a mark of a true believer. Because when you think about it, we have really no rights. We have surrendered over the Christ. Most of the time that we get upset about things is because somebody has infringed upon our rights. And we say, I got my rights. You know, Jesus never stood up for his rights. And I'm not saying uh, that we don't stand up for rights, but I'm saying that Jesus didn't make that his top priority. His top priority was advancing others at his own expense. And then there's one final thing, and, and that's why I warned you on this. This is some tough teaching, right? Uh, that's why I warned you if you want to change to another station, that would be a great time to do it because uh, this is really tough stuff to live up under. And I don't think, humanly speaking, you do. This is only the things that you can do as you're spirit-filled, as, as God has manifested himself to you. That's why this relationship, this deep relationship with God is so important because it is above all of our circumstances. Number seven, the spiritual man habitually makes eternity judgments instead of time judgments. Now, this is so hard for us, right? Because we tend to think on the nasty now and now. As a matter of fact, I believe that we could accomplish so much more if we kept the the long term in place and kept that in the forefront of our minds. When you think about eternity judgments, 100 years from now, 50 years from now, 10 years from now, the decisions that I make, how will they impact the next generation? You know, there's two things that I have devoted my life to, family and church. Those are the two things that I have devoted myself to because those are the two things that are going to live beyond me. And my family, I'm so thankful for my wonderful children. God has blessed us with five children. And my daughter was married almost a year ago. My son's getting ready to get married here uh, in the next couple months. And uh, in the next few months, we're going to be expecting our first uh, grandson. And so uh, now my family is going to be living on beyond my children into my grandchildren. And I'm so excited about that. I can't wait uh, to, to meet this little guy that I've been praying for. And, uh, and he doesn't know it, but I've been praying for him even before my daughter married her husband. Even as my children were being born, I would pray for God to send godly spouses into their lives even before they were born. I had my kids dedicated to the Lord at a very young age. I had them raised in the church. And that doesn't mean they're going to be perfect. Uh, you know, I, I, you never know how your children are going to turn out because they have this, this free will. Uh, but I say, I'm going to stack the odds in my favor, and uh, I'm going to raise them in the church. I'm going to pray over them, pray with them, try to live a godly example before them. I want them to be raised in Christ. And so I prayed, even before my kids were married, for their future spouses. I prayed for my grandchildren. I don't know how many grandchildren God's going to bless me with, but I pray every one of them will grow to, to know the Lord and grow up in a relationship with Him. So a spiritual person keeps eternity always in mind, makes judgment based upon eternity. So I hope that's been an encouragement to you. I know that is some really hard teaching, right? And as I think about how hard that is, humanly speaking, we can't live up to that expectation ourselves. 
But I want to share something else with you in in the moments that we have left in the broadcast today. I don't know where you're coming from spiritually as you listen to the broadcast, but I want you to know God has this, this wonderful plan for your life. And God wants to reveal himself to you. And it's not that he's, he's hiding from you, but he's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself upon me. He's not going to force himself upon you. When I think about how God moves and he, he works out through circumstances and he works out through other things uh, that happen in our lives, God wants you to have a relationship with him. And so if you don't know Christ as your savior, why not today? Why not today invite him to come in? Say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know my sin has separated me from you. But I also believe that Jesus came, died on that cross, three days later rose again. And I want to receive forgiveness. I want to receive that gift of salvation. So Lord, come into my heart, save my soul, forgive me of my sins. A simple little prayer like that made by faith is a prayer that will set your life in a whole new direction. Now listen, if you'd like to know more about this or you just prayed that prayer, would you shoot me an email? The email address is one hope for your heart, spelling out the word one, one hope for your heart at gmail.com. Or you can call me at 757-421-7500. I'd love to help you on your journey. I'd love to pray for you, pray with you. I've got some information I'd like to give to you. So give me a call or shoot me an email. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. I hope to see you Sunday. We worship at 9 or 1030 at Hickory Ridge Community Church. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.